Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on the whole cast. Jack Grimsey alongside Robert Lintot, as always, for 7500 Holt. And we had no pod last week because of the international break, but after the Swansea game, we're going to talk about that a little bit and preview the Man United match and, really importantly, the QPR match next Tuesday. So, uh, Robert, I guess let's start with Swansea. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your international break. Yeah, I mean... It was it was nice. We we can't all be as lucky as Gary Gardner, who was uh, enjoying the beaches of Dubai, if his Instagram account is to be believed. Yeah, and it looked like Gabby was somewhere. I'm not sure. I couldn't figure out where he was either. I saw a couple of pictures, and it looked beach-like, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Portugal. I mean, I think the the club went there last year during one of the, one of these kind of breaks or something. It's not that far, and I mean, because you'd probably be concerned about jet lag if you're going to Dubai. Yeah, uh, we know Gabby loves Miami. That's true. Loves he, he Miami. Could have been there. So, I mean, I guess, I guess uh, we'll just touch on Swansea briefly because, I mean, it's a couple weeks ago, I guess now, honestly, and it was pretty bad. But two things I two things I wanted to bring up is that Swansea just dominated possession, which I mean, I think that had to be expected. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They, they came in uh, really, really disciplined and really ready for what Sherwood had to throw at them. Yeah, and I don't know. I I was kind of surprised when they got rid of Lodrup for Gary Monk, but I don't think you can say that they've dropped off. No, I actually would argue they've maybe improved. I think Gary Monk has done a really solid job there. Um, I, and I hold nothing against Swansea. I kind of want to see them do well. Hey, yeah, and I, I think they'll continue to do well, mostly because if they can keep selling players like Bunny, they got a ton of money from City, and they're smart with how they spend their money. So, I think they'll they'll continue to invest in players like Sigerson, who are pretty good, and Liverpool reject John Joe Shelby, who <laughs> destroyed us last year. But you know, destroyed us last year, that. taking his rage out on Harry Potter against Aston Villa. Yep. Uh, but yeah, oh, no, Lord. I yeah. They definitely dominated. They came out and they sort of they held us to what we did. They, as a lot of people pointed out, the midfield battle is where Villa really lost it. Um, because with our wing players playing the way they were, it was essentially four against two the whole day. Yeah, I think I think you can only go with one striker against them. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. Um, and so it, it didn't end up wonderfully, but you saw a few bright moments in the whole match. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring up the chance, the couple chances at the end. Sinclair went for the wonder goal, hit it with the outside of his boot. I know on, on match of the day or during the match, the commentator was saying maybe he should have hit it with the instep, but if that's just a couple feet lower, it's flying into the corner and fantastic goal. Yeah, and, and one of those goals that just sort of changes the entire mood. Yeah, yeah, and, and the other one was um, Gabby shooting straight at the keeper from... Benteke's header down, and I mean, that was a difficult chance. He didn't really have any time, but I, I just was thinking that under Paul Lambert, I don't know if Villa create those chances. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe you're just down 1-0 against Swansea, and it and it's just your head's down. And yeah, down 1-0 against anyone, and you just sort of totally lose hope. Yeah, yeah, not... not um, I mean, at the end, it looked like maybe we could come back and get a goal. Yeah, absolutely, and... It was, I don't know, it, it wasn't 
it wasn't a dispiriting loss. It wasn't like the Stoke loss or the whole city loss. It wasn't a loss that left you saying, well, shit, we're going down. It was a loss that said, okay, there were some good points there. We got dominated in possession. But overall, Villa had some good moments of play. They looked better than they did at almost any point under Lambert this year. Yeah, so I think it's it's fair to say it's still there's still some kinks under Sherwood, but it's it's still looking a lot better than it did just yeah. two months ago. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's such a breath of fresh air to come into a match and not feel doomed and to come into a match and see the other team score a goal and not just instantly start writing the recap and go, well, that's over. Yeah, and, and I don't know. It seemed like the crowd at Villa Park was a lot, had a lot more energy and positive energy, I guess. Mm-hmm. And and our uh, our reporter in the stands, Jim Lilly, said the same thing. She said that uh, the atmosphere was happier than she could remember it in a long time. Yeah, so, I mean, even with... And, it, and just the one goal doesn't really hurt the, the goal difference so much if you're looking at it from that perspective, but... And especially considering what happened to everyone else over that weekend, that they were all one-goal losses, essentially. Yeah. Um, it... Like I wrote immediately in the aftermath of that match, it sort of makes you think, on the one hand, if you had to lose, that was the weekend to do it. But on the other hand, God, that would have been a great weekend to win. Yeah, that that's true. With, I mean, I almost thought Leicester were going to come back and draw Spurs, which <laughs> that would have been bad. But. Yeah, so did I. Uh, but thank God for the power of Harry Kane. Yeah. Uh, now I hope he gets partially injured for the next week and a half. Yeah, just just um, next, maybe this match day, this yeah. Saturday. Yeah, exactly. He can play 90 minutes, get a little uh, little calf strain that's just going to keep him out for a week. Yep. Uh, that's fine. Yep. That's, that's all we need. <laughs> yeah, we, we won't have a Spurs preview this week, but we are looking forward to that uh, <laughs> a week from Saturday, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Sherwood... Versus his old club, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, I guess I guess we wanted to talk about the sale of the club a little bit. Just asked on Twitter if anyone had any questions, and we had one from Simon Ray at Simon Ray. Uh, any more news on the sale of AVFC? And well, there hasn't been any more news since um, since I guess the international break, which is really the hot time for all the papers to come out and, and publish stuff about the sale of the club because nothing else is going on. But uh, I did want to recap that, and it's, it's looking like the price is going to be £150 million. Pounds. Yeah, it, it, in almost all the reports we've seen, that has been the one constant amidst all the drag. And remember, with that £150 million, pounds, you get yourself an actual uh, villa in Bodymore Heath. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a deal right there. You get you get a football club and a house for a small price of 150 million pounds. Yeah, very spacious. And <laughs> On 16 acres of property. I mean, it's it's not quite Paul Lambert's old house, but. <laughs> but yeah, we we got the two the pair of rumors over the weekend, neither of which I put a lot of credit in. But the first said a very vague-sounding UK-led consortium looking to buy the club for 150 million. Very specific. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is exactly what the newspapers are known for at this time of year. It's the international break. We don't have crap to say. So people are thinking of buying a club. I feel like they pull this crap out of a hat. Like, oh, this is a UK-based club? This is a UK-based consortium. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's so vague that there's no way to call them out on it if it turns out to be wrong. Yeah, um, because there's definitely a, a UK-based consortium that's interested in buying the club, you know? Just mm -hmm. sheer numbers of people, and I don't know. Exactly. Um, the second rumor is that two Americans, uh, one of whom is largely known for his investment work with the Los Angeles Dodgers, are looking at buying the club as well. Uh, of the two, that one has more specifics, and so I, I like it more, but I also trust it almost zero again. Yeah, it's, I, it's really hard to put any stock into these just because of how many different ones have come out over... I mean, I guess over the time since Lerner said he's wanted to sell the club. Yeah, and they always follow the same pattern. Here's people who have money and know something about sports. Here's a club that's up for sale. It, um, that's why it's so hard to believe, but I know a lot of you probably don't follow Major League Baseball. Um, the Los Angeles Dodgers have had an incredible turnaround in the past five or so years thanks to their new ownership group. Yeah, who's actually cared about putting money into it. And huge amounts of money into that team. They've become one of the biggest spenders in baseball. And they've gone from a team that had a lot of reputation and didn't have a lot of on-field performance to back it up to a team who are world-known and actually have a really great product to put on the field. Yeah, even if the fans don't get there till the third inning. But yeah, exactly. That's LA traffic. I, yeah, that's more just the LA attitude. Yeah. Um, but it's... Of all the people that I've heard connected... Uh, that name, if it actually came true, would be one of the better ones, I think. I, I still think I would have enjoyed the idea of Mark Cuban, even though he has no idea who the club are. Yeah, I, I think so, just because you, you want someone who has a ton of money. Yeah. And that, the price at $150 million, what, it's down 50 from what Lerner originally wanted. But I, I think it's still, still prob probably a fair price. Mm -hmm. It's 80 more than what Lerner paid. I love the articles that are coming out and saying Lerner would make $80 million in profit. Well, think about the $300 million he wasted on players like Khabib Bey. Oh, God. There's a name I forgot, too. Yeah, but like... Oh, God. A, a, lot of, a lot of wages were really flushed on the toilet, I guess. But Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess I just... I like this new owner because he has done smart things in Los Angeles, and it hasn't been a matter of luck. It's been a matter of he surrounded himself with the right people, made the right decisions, um, and he's turned the Dodgers around and made them a legitimate contender. Yeah, um, exactly. I was going to say that it's not necessarily what he does himself, but he puts the right people in position to make the decisions. And I mean, obviously, one person can't be, can't be doing that, so you know it's a smart guy if, if they're doing something like that. Yeah, and we've seen Randy Lerner consistently put the wrong people in the wrong positions, so it would be refreshing to see that sort of a change. Yeah, and I mean, I, th I think I think Fox actually is a pretty good mm -hmm. was a pretty good appointment, but from before yeah, before that was Paul Faulkner. So yeah, then I uh, and, I'm looking at Cleveland Browns, I guess, but and a long string of managers. Yeah, who have not um, worked out very well. But, yeah, I, but again, it's nice to talk about this and dream and go, oh, he would be a great choice. I'm not going to believe anything until it gets closer to actually happening. Yeah, and a, a lot of um, the reports, I guess, have said that it would happen at the end of the season, which makes a lot of sense, and the purchase price, obviously, is dependent on Villa staying in the Premier League. Yeah, because if they don't, I can't imagine the club fetching $100 million even. No, prob probably not. 
No, um, but hopefully they'll stay in the Premier League. That's that's yeah. an issue we don't want to worry about. Yeah, it brings us really to the next topic, which um, it's a new series on the site. Uh, it's just going to be writer feedback every week on one question. So Matt Ferenczyk started last week, and the question was relegation versus winning the FA Cup. Would you would you go down if it meant Villa lifted the trophy, or would you say? Tell with the cup, we need to stay in the league. Yeah, and I thought the I was actually surprised to see that the response was overwhelmingly in favor of staying in the league. Yeah, I, I think so too. What What do you think about eighty twenty? Yeah, somewhere in there. And and I agreed. That's what I would have thought. But I figured the split would have been more in the sixty forty range. Yeah, I I think so too. Just because it's not like winning the league cup, you know, it's mm -hmm. the FA cup's much more prestigious than the league cup. Yeah, it's an actual trophy that you know matters and everything. Yeah. Um, and and to emphasize it's it's writer feedback on this, but please stop by and comment. That's the whole point. We really want uh, people in the community getting a chance to comment. And we had a huge Facebook comment thread on this too. Yeah, there there are a lot of comments on the site as well. I think like fifteen or so, which I'd say that's a pretty decent amount. But yeah, absolutely. So, and and what did you say? You, I think you went with staying up, right? Yeah, I I went, I went with staying up. I think maybe a couple of years ago, before all these massive TV deals were going through, like even when even when Wigan won the cup and went down, I would have said, whatever, win win the cup. But, and and then then I thought about how, you know, like people say that a cup run is rare, but look at Bradford. They made the run the same year that we did in the League Cup, and they made a deep run in the FA Cup this year. Yeah, and, absolutely. Oh, I mean, we had, a, we had a really easy run this year, but maybe maybe next year when, with Sherwood, we're actually capable of beating a team that's better than us. If you pull off, if you pull off an upset, then you can make just as deep of a run. Yeah, absolutely. And or you could make a deep run in a cup that fewer people care about because you didn't lose to Leighton Orient in your first chance. Yeah, that uh, too. Um and and to the argument that a cup run is rare, I mean Villa were at Wembley for an FA Cup semifinal five years ago. That isn't that rare. Yeah, exactly. I mean it, this isn't something that, you know, never happens. This is something that oh yeah, we we've been there pretty recently. And especially because uh recently our managers didn't really prioritize the cup. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Lambert. If, if you know, if you know you're going to be stable mid, like in the middle of the league, why not have a focus on the cup? I guess. Exactly. Yeah, and if you can, you can beat the minnows. Uh, you're going to be facing weakened teams, even if you get the good ones in, say a league cup. I think there's a lot of chance to do some damage there. Yeah, and uh, if you get the if you get the big teams early on, they're not going to be playing the first choice teams. So. Yeah. But the thing that I found amusing is I don't think it's quite as cut and dry as a lot of people said. It was, I would take the Premier League and I wouldn't even think about it. It's like, really? We haven't won the FA Cup in years, uh, most lifetimes of most Villa fans. Um, and it's a huge prestigious honor, one of the most prestigious trophies in the world of football. Uh, and you don't even think about it? Yeah, I, th I think you have to consider it at least. I mean, there's, there's just a, oh God, especially when Matt wrote about that thing, you know, the entire world getting trolled by Sherwood winning a cup. That yeah, makes it yeah even more I don't enticing. even think a lot of people thought about that from that perspective. I mean, God, can you imagine just rubbing it in the faces of Spurs fans? Yeah, like what, are, what trophies have Spurs won? <laughs> God, it would be amazing. Um, 
Yeah, I would love it. But, you know, there's still the actual legitimate chance that we can do both. That's true, that's true. We can do the survive in the Premier League and win the FA Cup double. It's a very untraditional double, but, you know, it'll gain prestige. Yeah, well, like, Arsenal did the double last year. They got the four trophy that Wenger covets (laughs) and also the FA Cup. So, I mean, kind of similar to to that. We're we're getting the unconventional doubles out of the way here. I like this idea. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that'll Um, be a a Wednesday question. What what unconventional double do you most want to win? Yeah. What, 13th and... Quarterfinals in both cups? <laughs> that's, that's a treble right there. Yeah. Don't go underselling that. That's an accomplishment. <laughs> uh, I guess we so, still don't know our cup opponent, by the way. No, no, we don't, because that, that replay is going to be, what, a, a week from yesterday, the 8th? Yeah. So. so we still don't even know our FA Cup. So, I mean, it could it, we could still have Blackburn. Yeah, I, um, I don't think it's it's... I don't think Liverpool is a shoe-in for that, just because Blackburn held them at Anfield, and they're going home now. So Yeah, we have literal proof that Liverpool are not the absolute 100% favorites here. Yeah. So, um, and even if they do, they're going to be a little bit crowded headed into that FA Cup fixture. I, I'm not hating our chances to advance to the final. No, I, I, think, I think it's going to be at least 40%. Yeah, uh, I think there's a really good chance we have an alphabetical FA Cup final. Top of the table at the beginning of the season final. Could be nice. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I, I I still have hopes for that, and I think we could do it. And I thought it was a really good question, and I really enjoyed the conversation that it sparked. Yeah, I think so. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have some questions that can involve the community, I guess, just as much in the future with that series. Yeah, absolutely. That's the goal there. Um, if we keep going on, though, uh, if we if we just assume for a minute that we're safe uh, and start thinking about the summer, one of the questions that we got today was from Mark Bannister, 1874FC, asking uh, one new forward. And this comes on the heels of the news that Darren Bent is willing to re-sign with the club this year, much to no one's and everyone's surprise. I don't know. And he said, choose one new forward from Bent, 31 years old, Ings, 22 years old, and Austin, 25 years old. Who you got, Jack? Well, I would take Ings if big clubs like Liverpool and Russia Dortmund weren't interested in him. I, I just don't think there's any chance that Villa could land him, but he'd obviously be the, the best option there. And Charlie Austin, if QPR go down, I think... Charlie Austin's still going to fetch at least $10 million, which I don't know how much the new owner is going to be willing to give Sherwood in the summer and if a forward is even going to be the priority. Yeah. But I don't know. I, they're, they're obviously both better choices than Bent, but I, I did just comment in response to his post on, this, on the site, his comment that he, he kind of asked the same thing, I guess. But I would say I said that if Bent was willing to take a big pay cut, I'd give him another chance. Yeah, absolutely. I think of the three in terms of a combination of reality and what I want, I think Austin is probably the best choice. Yeah, yeah I think so. But, you know, as I wrote when I, I, I just wrote up the bent rumors that, you know, he's willing to come back, my instant gut reaction was, screw that, I hate the guy. Uh, he's done nothing for us. But then I realized that's what I thought about Gabby and uh, in Zogbia about two months ago. And they've won me over under Tim Sherwood. So maybe Sherwood can do something with Bent. 
And like you said, if he comes on on low wages, it's really sort of a low-risk thing. Yeah, I guess the problem is that he probably won't come on low wages because he could either get picked up by a side that gets promoted or someone who's going to be challenging to get promoted. He did mention that he's willing to stick on with Darby, too, uh, yeah. which would make sense. I mean, they've, they've given him a chance, and he's done well there. Yeah, I think so. I think if, I think if they come up, he'll, that's where he'll be playing next year. Yeah, absolutely, and I wouldn't blame him for it either. Not at uh, all. It's, it's one of those things that if we end up re-signing Bent on decent wages, sure. If we don't, no one's going to be upset. Yeah, wh- whatever. Yeah, exactly. So it, it was the news that no one expected and no one really cared about for the most part. Yeah, basically. The other lineup question we got on Twitter came from at Ethan J. Gregg, uh, Greg Gregerson on Twitter, asking, uh, should we sell Gary Gardner or could you see him in the lineup next year? I don't know. With, with uh, the spectacular goals he's been scoring, I don't think I don't think it would hurt to have him around. you got to at least give him a chance this year. Mm-hmm. And I think he's he's a player that could fit Sherwood's system better than maybe better than Cleverly, depending. I don't know. I I don't really see us signing Cleverly in the summer now. I don't yeah, know why, it's... but I, I just think the money could be better spent elsewhere. Yeah, I'm really intrigued about the whole Cleverly situation because at the beginning of the season I said keep him, then he went to junk, and now I'm sort of leaning towards I wouldn't mind having him around, but. If we bring in Gardner and he can fulfill that same role, what's the point in having Cleverly? Yeah, I wouldn't mind having him around, but there's just just for some reason I feel like we're not going to get him. I don't know why. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I can see that too, uh, especially because there's been that rumored link with him and Everton. Uh, yeah, and if he's going to sign somewhere, it'll probably be Everton. But It's really easy to forget since we saw him... Uh, come out in 2011 for Villa, but Gary Gardner is only 22 years old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's just been on loan everywhere the past couple years. He feels like the kind of player that we've all sort of given up on, but he's sort of in an analogous position to where Fabian Delph was at this point. Um, You know, someone that we've all sort of said, eh, he's not going to really end up cutting it, and... He's only 22. He could come in and do really good things still. He's had a great loan spell at Nottingham Forest, had a decent loan spell at Brighton earlier in the year. Um, I I would love to see him given a chance. That said, I would bet 10 pounds that he injures himself before the season. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's that was like what Delph's problem was. He was just he just kept getting injured and couldn't hold down a spot in the team consistently because of that. But once he once Delph could stay injury-free last year, I guess. Um, he's been one of the best players in the team. Yeah, one of the best players in England, if you believe Roy Hodgson. Yeah, uh, not according to a lot of England fans. Um, <laughs> at least at least last game against Italy, they gave him a hard time. But and he didn't because... have a great game against Italy, but, you know, nor did a lot of other people on that pitch. Yeah, against Italy's, like, C team. But yeah, that, I think I think a lot of the stick Delph gets from England fans that he's not on a club that's in the top six. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm trying to think of any counter. You know, yeah, you're right. I think it's he's not a big name. He's not on a big club. Um, I think he could actually be really useful for England. I think if he played for them like he does for Villa, he could be a really useful cog in that midfield and in helping 
uh, provide stuff for Wayne Rooney. Yeah, as long as, he, as long as he doesn't try to do too much. He needs another... England needs another midfielder that's a world-class central midfielder. Yeah, absolutely. I, maybe if James Milner gets more time. Yeah, I mean... It, uh, I really I think know. James Milner has the potential to be a great international midfielder. Yeah, it's, it's just the, the style of international football, I guess, really, but... Yeah, and it may be getting a little late for Milner, but it, I yeah. would kind of love watching a Milner... Fabian uh, pairing for England midfield. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. As long as Delph stays at Villa, but... Yeah, exactly. Please stay at Villa. He did sign that four-year contract. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he should be here for at least a while. I mean, unless that was a ploy to just increase his sale price over the summer. Uh, yeah, I if so, he's... at least he's not going for free. Yeah, and I imagine he's here for at least a couple of years uh, before we start hearing rumblings again. Um, elsewhere in the international break, Benteke, you watched that match on Tuesday? Yeah, yeah. Um, he got subbed off 67 minutes on because company picked up a second yellow and they needed to bring out another defender. He didn't have the best match, but he did score the, the previous game against Cyprus. So, yeah. I mean, take that for what you will. But, I don't know, I, I wrote that I was glad that he didn't play for the whole 90 with two matches coming up. Yeah, exactly. Or three matches coming up in a week. Yeah, I was happy to see that too because uh, elsewhere on the international break again, we have Yoris Sakura uh, injuring his knee in training. Yeah, not even in a match in, in training for Denmark. And since it's his knee, it's, it's always going to be scary. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone seems to be downplaying it, and I'm not sure why. Dude tore or ruptured his ACL last year. Anything around his knee should be freaking us out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like he tore it again, but I don't. Yeah, that's that's why people hate the international break. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and if you look at it this year, Villa have lost at least six months worth of playing time from defenders alone to international break injuries. Yeah. The lion's share of that has come from uh, Senderos, who's been out since November after injuring himself playing for Switzerland. Yeah, it didn't look like Senderos was going to be out for that long, and he's just been out, like, the whole season. Yeah, it's really weird. It's one of those sort of Lieber-Kozak things, where we all thought Kozak might be back in time for August, and now it's like, yeah, maybe April. Maybe next August. Yeah, exactly. Um, still holding out hope on Kozak. But, I mean, you know, it would be nice to have a Senderos. I don't think, even if he's healthy, the way other people have been playing, that Senderos gets regular first-team selections. But given the way we've had injury crises, it would be really nice to have him around. Yeah, it'd be nice to actually have a, def a defender on the bench. Yeah, exactly. And and we're not going to have that uh, on Saturday against Manchester United if Orcor is out. Uh, we're going to have Vlar back and Clark and dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I remember Sissoko and Richardson still out at left back, which is has caused Matt Lowton initially to move over there, but... That to me injured. was that that was so perplexing because I didn't hear anything of an injury report about Lowton, but there's no other explanation for him missing out on both the lineup and the bench against Swansea. Yeah, he'd been in good form. We didn't see a report that he was late for training and then bench like what happened with Lambert and yeah, who knows? Yeah, so, it was really weird. I have to assume an injury there. Although God knows with Tim Sherwood, it could just be insanity. Could be. I'm not gonna rule that out. He, dude, is crazy. So. Yeah, but 
I mean, stick with Man United and that defender crisis. I mean, we saw Hutton playing on the left last week, or almost two weeks ago against Swansea. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bakuna's been good on the right, but against Man United, I, I think it's going to be more of the same thing in, with their midfield. And yeah. Because they've, they've just loved to pass the ball around, even if they weren't trying to score, it looks like, at times this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that was actually one of the biggest mistakes in the Swansea match, was having Hutton out left and Bakuna out right, because Swansea uh, just took it up that left side there. Um and with Cleverly out, and it it just didn't end up working. They they needed to do that flip flop of Hutton for Bakuna. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, when you have only right backs available, it's always going to be a difficult situation. But I think I wrote it. So I think I wrote it somewhere. Or at least I thought it. I don't remember. Um, I would have rather had from your perspective, I suppose, I would have rather had Bakuna out here because he would have had Clark backing him up rather than Akora backing him up on the other side. Um, and I think Clark is the better defender right now. Um, yeah. So, so having that would have made more sense. It's not ideal by any means. I don't think it's a great solution. Uh, but I think it's less of an issue than what we saw, especially with Montero uh, running rampant up that left side. Yeah, and I think Bakuna is faster than Hutton, and Akora is faster than Clark. So if you take the the center back that's faster, put it with the fullback that's slower, vice versa. I think, I mean, like you're saying, with quality of defender, since Hutton's a little better defensively than Bakuna, I think that would have worked better. Exactly, and once you start seeing those injuries piling up and issues happening like that, I know Tim Sherwood's never going to do this, but tell your tell your wingbacks to start playing like fullbacks instead of wingbacks. Yeah. Stay back. Uh, yeah, just stay back there. We need a defensive four. We're going to grind out a point here. Yeah, and, and taking taking a point would have been big. It would have seen us go ahead of hole. Yeah, but not panicked yet. But, yeah, so we've got that injury crisis coming up against Manchester United. Hopefully people start getting healthy. The only problem is the turnaround is uh, two days, three days, three days before we have to play QPR again. Yeah, and that, that's going to be on, on Tuesday, and I think that's much more important than Manchester United, mostly because it's at the Man United match is at Old Trafford, and we've only won one of the last 38 games against Man United. So, like, if we played them for a whole season, basically... <laughs> we come out 1-0 or 1-whatever and... Yeah, yeah one, one win, 10 draws, and 27 losses. I mean, that the statistic is... Kind of skewed because there's been 39 games and we won the first one. So. Yeah. But it's it's rough. Uh, I don't know. Gabby's kind of informed lately. Last time we we beat United and last time we won at Old Trafford was a Gabby header. Yeah. So, so maybe maybe he solves it for us. Yeah, but also Rooney Rooney loves playing against Villa. Eight goals in his last six at Old Trafford against Villa. But but on the plus side, he's only scored in four of those games. In those four games, he's gotten two goals each. So if either he scores two or he scores zero. I'm hoping for a zero. He doesn't always score, but when he does, he scores two. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This is one of those matches where I'm expecting nothing would be ecstatic with a draw. Yeah, yeah. A point, a point would be huge, kind of like the United match in December where a point was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that said, though, I, I think... 
the players need to take it a, a little bit easy. They've got a much more important match coming up, like you said, on Tuesday. QPR away from QPR are miserable. Yeah, uh, they've what, drawn once and lost every other time. Was it a draw or was it a win? I No, I don't think they've won away from home. Uh, yeah, they're 1-0-13. They have one win instead of oh, one draw. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, they're, they're miserable away from home. If, if you lose to them when they're traveling, you should be ashamed. I can't remember who did lose to them while they were traveling. Um, I'm looking that up now. I don't know, but they should be ashamed because that's terrible. Like, yeah. and really, I don't know. We, we had problems with them in the fall, obviously, in mm-hmm. the loss. But oh, that was... Sunderland. Sunderland. That explains okay. a lot. Yeah, if, if it was anyone but Sunderland, that would be pretty bad. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, we beat Sunderland 4-0. They beat Sunderland 2-0 at... Sunderland. Yeah, so there you go. Woof. And I, I don't know, I think Sunderland Sunderland's looking a lot more likely than Burnley to go down at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just one ahead. In our little relegation watch post that I've been writing, it's, it's looking more and more like Villa are safe, and it's no thanks to what they've done. It's thanks to the fact that Sunderland are tanking, QPR are tanking, uh, Hull kind of tanking, Leicester are dead. Yeah, they're, um, they're, they're dead in the water with nine games left. They only have 19 points. Yeah, there's there's not a case to be made that Villa are going to really achieve safety. There's a case to be made, though, that others are going to achieve relegation before we do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's why I, I'll keep saying it, because it still looks like it could happen, that 32 points could keep you up. God, it could, which would I'm be not... so pathetic. I'm not going to be happy if Villa end the season with 32 points, but... I'll be happy if they stay up. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I don't know. 30, I really do feel like this year... Sure. I don't care about the end result other than survival at all. Just stay up and let's reset this thing heading into next year. Yeah. The way that it had progressed, and I thought we were down after losing to Hull. I did that, too. That if if you can just stay up... Whatever. Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking for rooting interest this weekend, uh, Leicester City host West Ham. Of course, root for West Ham there. Uh, Swansea host Hull. Root for the Swans. Uh, West Brom host QPR. So, sorry, QPR. Uh, And also, every one of us needs to feel dirty because we have to root for the baggies. Um, Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's that's fine, I suppose. Uh, Where else? Burnley host Tottenham. Come on, Harry Kane. Uh, and that's pretty much it this weekend. So you're rooting for Tottenham, West Brom, West Ham, and Swansea. If it's got a West in the name, root for him. Yeah, and, I mean, you could even root for Villa if you want. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I forgot about that part. I guess if Villa won, that would be good, right? Oh, yeah, I, th- I think if if they got the confidence from beating Man United. Jesus. Can you imagine if we beat United and QPR? Yeah, that's that's what I was just going to say. I think 34, you'll be safe for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that that would be so incredible. And at that point, hell, you're just on a run throwing Tottenham with it, and you're sitting at 37. Yeah, and what, one went away from Sherwood 6? Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, we don't think that's going to happen. We're, we're not in the business of making predictions anymore, but if we were, would you ever predict De Villa win this? But since we're not in the business of making predictions, that's fine. We're we're certainly not telling you it's impossible. 
Yeah, I think the the QPR match on Tuesday is much more likely and really much more important. No matter what mm-hmm. happens against United, still need that win against QPR. Yeah, it gives us a chance to scout a few players we might be able to poach once they get dropped, too. Yeah, I'm actually going to start on that relegation poaching series uh, next week because starting the table's starting to become, a, the picture starting to become a little more clear. Yeah, a, a win followed by those uh, select things that we just talked about this weekend, it wouldn't guarantee safety, but boy, it would do a lot towards getting us closer. Uh, you know, even if just Burnley, QPR, and Leicester lost, and we won one of this Man United, we would then suddenly be six points clear. Yeah, and then the, I think that's why the, that win against QPR is so important, just because it's going to sink them just that much that much further. Yeah, absolutely. As we um, look to crawl away from that drop. Yeah, and they're probably going to lose this weekend because they're away, so they're going to bump that to 1-0-14, I, I bet. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I like our odds, but n- again, not because of anything we've done. Yeah, and we don't like the odds against Man United. Oh yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. Uh, not even a little. But yeah, we'll we'll still have all the coverage for you both Saturday and Tuesday. So remember to keep checking on 7500holt.com for that, and remember we're still on iTunes, Stitcher. Blog Talk Radio, YouTube, of course, so you can find us there. Um, yeah, I guess uh, one more thing. We hit 1,000 Facebook likes, so thanks to everyone who's liked us on Facebook and keeping up with that, and big shout-out to James for doing so well with the page. Yeah, absolutely, and and if you have yet to like us on Facebook, give us a like. Um, I We've never said that in the past, but now that we have James running yeah. that page, there's actual stuff there that isn't on the site that's actually fun and making our Facebook page worthwhile. Uh, I will be entirely honest. As someone who was supposed to be running the page before, I did a crap job. Uh, but James is doing a really great job, and the page is actually now worth your like and your follow on there. So give it a like. Uh, we would appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. So uh, for Robert Lintot, I've been Jack Grimsey. Thanks for listening to the Holtcast.